This is a sport podcast with myself and Spiel. I'm an ever-present co-host Jabu Mitua. Today we have with us an individual that has been on the board before and Jabu and I really enjoy having a conversation with him about the sports media space here in Africa. Jabu, who do we have for our audience today? As you just alluded to, Adam, this is an individual who returned to the Africa Business of Sport podcast after making an appearance, I think it was an episode somewhere in our 20s. And to think that we are now over 100 episodes just goes to show how much time flies. But nevertheless, we thought it would be great to bring him back on the podcast because he's always got an exceptional view of the sports business and the sports media ecosystem within Africa. So it's a great honor and pleasure to welcome back onto the podcast, former head of sports of ACBC and the founder of Sportscape Media, Gary Rathbone. Gary, welcome back on the Africa Business of Sport podcast. Thank you so much for giving us your time again. Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Good to be here. Now, to briefly start off, Gary, we've just seen the Cricket World Cup get wrapped up as well as the Rugby World Cup. There was a threat that that was not going to be shown to as many people as possible because SABC was having a few struggles with regards to acquiring the free-to-air rights of the Rugby World Cup and the Cricket World Cup, respectively. So with regards to these protracted agreements, what would you believe or opine on the challenges faced by SABC inquiring uh, FTA rights in general? And what would the impact be if they had an easier road into acquiring these rights going on? Because we don't want situations where, like we have had this year, that two days or three days before the tournament actually starts, we are getting announcements around SABC not being able to show that to everyone in the country. So how do these things come about and how can it be maybe mitigated going forward? Uh, thanks, Joe. Really nice, a great place to start. And sure, I, I think that it is really, it's a really sad situation that, that it's got to this uh, where SABC, I think the main thing is that the the struggle, the financial struggles that SABC finds, it in, it finds itself in means that it's very, very hard for them to be proactive. Uh, in terms of acquiring rights and going out to get new rights and uh, particularly premium rights. And um, and so it becomes very, very hard to sort of plan long term. Um, having said that, though, I think that if they add to be a bit, you know, do take a, a longer view and know that these, these, these problems are there, that they start trying to mitigate them earlier on, then I think it's better for them to kind of create the opportunity to make it work. So the biggest challenge for them is trying to say, okay, if you've got a rights that are going to cost you one, two, three million dollars, that's you know somewhere between eighteen million to thirty-six million rands, basically. You know that there's value in terms of the airtime and the inventory for sales that's there. Uh, sales need a long, a long runway to be able to make those sales and try and get into that space earlier. Um, and and I think that what's kind of happening is that they're not being proactive in terms of addressing these issues up front now. And that is a bit of a, a bit of a pity. So what happens is they leave everything till the last moment because they're saying, well, we haven't got the money, so we're not going to do anything. And then they wait for the outcry. And then when there's an outcry about SABC not having it, then they call, then the government gets involved and then buttons are pushed and then the people jump on board. And what we saw this time around, there were sponsors being stepping up the plate to come on board, you know. Those are sponsors that could have been approached, um, you know, six months, eight months, 10, year, 10 months ago. Um, already to put in place to say we're getting this is coming up how do we do this and then government could have been actually had, you know I mean approach to say super sport have these rights we need to kind of have something to to, to move this forward 
Interestingly enough, if I may add, though, uh, the big issue here in the, on the rugby thing and the cricket thing in terms of rights that they are need, need to sub-license from um, Supersport is that we have had a, a complaint at the Competitions Commission. It was actually started by me when I was head of sport at SABC and um, put together. It took us about a year to put the thing together and it was finally dropped off at the CC um, at the towards the end of last year, just before I left. Uh, and it's been sitting on the CC's desk since then. And nothing's been done about it, but it's basically a complaint to say that the way that Supersport have put these clauses into their um, contracts, in their sublicing contracts, which are actually very, very onerous and very, very anti-competitive for SABC. So it's things like saying, you know, if you take these rights, you can't put it onto any channel that is, you can only put it onto an analog uh, terrestrial channel. You can't put it onto the SABC sports channel. If you're putting it on SABC one, two, or three, it can't run on on uh, on Open View on ETV on ETV's Open View where SABC one, two, three run as well, and a whole lot of things that make it very very difficult for SABC to maximise the sponsorships. So that that's got to change. The government could have actually done more as well by de- pushing to deal with that issue a long long time ago, but here we are. You know what I mean? Everybody just waits around for the crisis to happen and then tries to react to the crisis rather than preempt it. Daryl, just to build up on the FTAs, with the increasing ship towards digital platforms and pay-per-view models like we saw with Francis Ngannou's fight with the Chipsy King where he had a platform that people in Africa can watch, how does yeah. the acquisition of FTA rights align with SABC's broader strategy, number one? And number two, what considerations should be taken into account when negotiating such agreements for major sporting events to come, you know, for example, with the AFCON that's coming next year, mm. with the Paris 24 that will be coming next year as well, and also exciting competitions and events that will be coming up within the sports stream, especially here in Africa. Yeah. No, well, I mean, I mean that 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 that, that that's a, 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 major, a major thing. I, I think that that they they they're not really doing enough to kind of. Um, exploit that space because it is an area that's going to change things very very much but i think we also need to kind of also differentiate between the rights that they sub license from suit that are available only through supersport and license rights that they can kind of uh, acquire directly and this is again where the competitions commission issue comes in because the supersport sub license would not allow them to exploit that content on uh, streaming platforms and on digital platforms but essentially they should be able to do that but I, I think that what's going to happen is that there's going to be more and more streaming platforms going to be that are going to evolve in the space that are going to start looking to kind of acquire rights anyway and and start putting content out on 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 their own platforms. Um, you know, this the, the, this can actually start changing the the, the 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 space quite a lot. I also think that there may be an opportunity for SABC to work, and they have been doing this in some things already, with other partners that can actually put the money up front. Um, and acquire those rights, make them and share them with the SABC uh, in exchange for um, airtime. So you know the 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 the, 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 the um, advertising inventory on every broadcast is is, is a lot of in- one thing SABC has is a lot of inventory. So there's no reason why um, somebody can't say, okay, well we'll spend 18 million rand on acquiring those rights to you. This is exactly, in fact, what happened with the EPL rights that super that that that, that SABC currently run. Um, and you give us the the inventory around that, you know, or a percentage of that inventory around that, that then we can sell and make our money back. You get the, you get the rise for free. We get our costs covered. We take the risk, 
and and that is one way to kind of uh, you know ameliorate the the, the kind of um, uh, problems that SABC have with regards to the cash flow. But again, this to really work, this needs a longer runway. People need to start these conversations early, and they need to conclude these these conversations early. SABC's other problem is that they're still very very caught in a in a, in a very very difficult bureaucratic setup, basically, and things take forever to get done. And there's no nimbleness, there's no agility in SABC Sports uh, operational process. And as a result, things get bogged down. And simple things that, you know, the AFL contract, they, had, they were given the AFL for free, the rights to the African Football League for the SABC. Yet, a simple thing to get a business plan and a contract for that shouldn't take more than a couple of days. Because, you know what I mean, there's not even a business plan, there's not even a cost that needs to be recovered. And yet, they still couldn't get the contract signed signed in time for that. So you know it's 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 the the, the bureaucracy is, is is a problem as well. So there's all these roadblocks and issues that they've got to kind of overcome. They need a, a, really need a bit of vision and a bit of will to kind of really tackle them now. But sorry, but Adam, you're right. Digital is is where it's all going for me, as far as I'm concerned. We're going to see this the expansion into the space for free to air. And speaking about this shift to digital that is occurring across the sports media landscape, let's speak about the case of FIFA Plus because I think this is a platform that FIFA is leveraging for themselves and that can be very valuable when, if there are cases where they don't meet the media rights expectations when their partners come to tender. So, for example, with the Women's World Cup last year, FIFA was threatening mm. to actually air the entire Women's FIFA World Cup on FIFA Plus. So, what role do you think this FIFA Plus platform will play just before we get into the significance of the CAF quantifiers being shown on it? Sure. Look, I think it'll play a huge role, actually, because, um, um, you know, the fact that people can now get it regardless of, of whether the deals are done with the different broadcasters, um, you know, eventually, I think that what will happen is that the, the more content that that comes there, comes onto that space, that starts attracting bigger viewerships because its content is sitting there, the more sponsors will start basically migrating into that space and then making that space become very, very valuable. And and then then broad traditional broadcasters will find their role, particularly as far as sports is concerned, diminished. In the same way that already um, things like Netflix and Amazon Prime and stuff like that have already undermined um, a, a lot of the pay TV and, and free to air networks with you know relatively cheap and accessible, great you know prime content uh, for entertainment. The same thing will, will will happen with the sports as well. And you see what's with people doing. You know, rugby have done the same thing as well. Um, uh, Formula One already do it in a very, very big way. You know, it's possible to watch Formula One, uh, live Formula One now without having to have a, a, a subscription to any broadcast network. Um, you know, you watch it in HD on your TV. It's 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 a straightforward thing. You know, you take it through your through through your phone through the app, and and this whole what they call direct to consumer approach DTC. I, I was at Sportel a couple of uh, the last month, and um, and it, it's really is the big topic at the moment in amongst the sports industry and sports business is this whole thing about direct to consumer and digital broadcasting. Um, you know, there's a lot of little technical issues to overcome, but it's absolutely starting to get momentum now, and it's with where everything is definitely moving. So FIFA and 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 rugby and and and, and these guys they're on the right track because this is this is this is the space is opening up. Gary, when you consider the inclusion of cup qualifiers on FIFA Plus right now, especially building up to next year's AFCON. And I'm sure if they'll do the qualifiers on FIFA Plus, they'll potentially yeah. even have the competition 
on FIFA Plus as well, especially for the audience who may be interested in African football but cannot get access to it, right? How does this represent a development in terms of sports broadcasting for African sports? I mean, how do you see this move influencing the accessibility and viewership of African football, especially on digital platforms, knowing very well that there is now huge penetrations for some of the stars in the game to be there. And then we can now change the narrative that African football doesn't only become interesting when the competitions, but can become interesting across board for all our in-league competitions. And it's, it's incredibly uh, important. And, and, and exactly that, because we know that people are much more connected now you know, and 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 the reach, the penetration of 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 direct f- of fiber to home, of 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 satellite things like Starlink. I know we don't have Starlink in South Africa, but everywhere else, it's all there now. So people are starting to be able to access digital connections at very low costs. You know, not worrying too much about whether you have to pay huge data costs and things like that. If you've got you know direct to home things like somebody like Rain in South Africa, where you pay um you know uncapped, you get uncapped fiber, and then you can you you know you just break the feed in. And you can you you can you can stream stuff directly to your TV as much as you, as you, as you like all the time. So that kind of in-home viewing via the digital space, the streaming space, is is, is going to be massive. And we've seen the growth of this across across the continent. I mean, I'll tell you on the World Cup qualifiers, an interesting thing. So you know, FIFA are doing this because, and this is where they all move because there's still a lot of negotiations. So for example, SABC haven't really signed, haven't signed the deal yet on the World Cup qualifiers. So they're trying to close something that they're doing. But it hasn't been. You know what I mean? It's been it's been dragged out, and because they can't afford to pay what is what what's being asked for them, and um, so you know the thing is is that the rights holders are starting to say, well, you know, do we need to actually put up with it? But wait around for this to be we mess around like this? We just put it on our platforms. We create a platform. We put it there. We put it out there. As long as all African football fans, all Africans across the continent, can have access to it, then they're achieving their goal. And as the more and more people start coming to it, as I said, the sponsors will follow. The, where the eyeballs go, the sponsors will follow. And then they will see things changing in, in a very, very significant way. And I think that for free-to-air broadcasting of, of, of great sport, um, there's a huge opportunity because pay TV is taking a, a knock at the moment and there's a gap for them to exploit. But unless they move quickly and, 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 and with agility, they're going to find themselves actually losing out, being, having been sort of crushed by pay TV for so long to suddenly be when finally the gap opens up to be crushed by um, digital streaming. Moving on to multi-choice. So in the past few weeks, multi-choice released its interim results and some of the headline numbers are 28.3 billion in revenue. The subscriber base is now 22 million in households across Africa with 8.6 coming from South Africa and 13 million coming from the rest of Africa. We've got 0.5 billion in operational efficiencies and the headline earnings were 2 billion rand. Gary, one of the biggest asterisks when it comes to these results is, and this is something MultiChoice reported on, that the South African business in particular was affected by load shedding to the point where 43% of the days accounted for in this reporting period were impacted by stage 4 to 6 of load shedding. And this has mm-hmm. led to subscriber growth being affected and apparently has moved 311,000 non-revenue generating customers. Just firstly, what impact does load shedding on a practical level have on the business of a sports broadcaster in South Africa? 
Well, it has an impact on all broadcasting. Whatever the sports, not it's terrible, basically. But but I think sports more so than anything else because the problem with for sport is that the, the, the prime sport is live. So it's not as though like with the TV series, you can say, okay, we've got load shedding from ten to well, eight to ten, basically. So we'll just we'll just wait until ten o'clock and the lights come back on, and then we'll watch our episode or whatever it is we want to watch, you know, off Netflix and things like that. Um, you know, you 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 can get it. You you know, you can delay on do a VOD kind of experience, but a live match you can't. A live match you you want to see it. So if the game kicks off at eight o'clock and and load shedding kicks in, it kicks off at eight o'clock as well. You know what I mean? It means that you're not going to be able to watch the game that you want to watch. And by the time load shedding ends, the game's over. So you know what I mean? It it, it is a problem. So sport, particularly live sport, is terribly affected by um you know by 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 load shedding. So it is that 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 is a huge problem. But I also again I see this is where streaming services and the like will actually start um, take you know making headway because you know you can actually even when you're on, when you load shedding you can still access um, you know live stream on your phone you know and 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 watch content keep up with things that 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 way I I, I do think that um, again this will benefit the streaming services in, in that way um, to degree. But certainly, load shedding is having a huge impact on on all broadcasting, not just for multi-choice. But the other thing that's also affected multi because the, well, the I mean, those numbers are big, but they're they are down from where where they were before. Um, so they are actually in in a very much struggle phase now, trying to kind of turn the business around. They've had a lot of issues. I mean, one of the things I was saying a couple of years ago when I came back to South Africa, I was saying to people back then, I said that the future is that DSTV as we know it will won't, won't exist in in a few years time. It'll only be Showmax, and that is exactly kind of what is what is what is happening. Um, you know, the, everything's be moving into that space because they 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 know that streaming is where it's going it, to where the where the main point is. That's why they put those anti-competitive clauses into the sub-licensing deals with the SABC. They so so they they really know what's coming. The problem is that because they've got a lot of legacy um, capex and uh, you know invested capex invested in legacy equipment and resources and things like that, you know they can't make that the changeover quickly. So it's got to be a gradual changeover. But it's certainly the direction that they're going, okay. and you can see that that's how they want to turn it around. One of the headwinds they've also been facing, of course, has been the also exchange rates as well. That has and and I'm not talking just about the RAND thing, but obviously in big territories like Nigeria. And, and, and places like that where the exchange rate has also affected subscriber bases. But the the other interesting thing is that still is that Africa, when I talk about Africa outside of South Africa, my old territory when I was at Supersport uh, running, running running the Supersport business there, that is really where multi-choice, the whole operation still has a lot of strength and a lot of value. Things are changing quite rapidly in South Africa and they're kind of fragmenting here. But in the rest of the continent, I think there's still a lot of value for multi-choice going forward as long as they can deal with things like the, the exchange rate issues and that the, a lot of the economies can 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 kind of uh, you know and the rest of the content can actually stabilize and 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 uh, they, they, there's a lot of value for multi-choice there still gary super sports bets which is the new betting arm of super sports it's yes. a very interesting product that i can see potential benefits from and somewhat similar very to nice. sporty bets because of, of course yes. on sporty bets you can watch some games while betting. So, yeah. of course, this this is a new innovation, but how is Super Sports Bet really going to raise the bar, especially commercially for Super Sports when it's already entering an industry that is hugely saturated by the likes of Betway, Sporty yeah. Bet, and One X Bet? Yeah. 
No, well, absolutely. That's their biggest challenge, basically, is that they're, they're, they're coming to this a bit late in the game. Um, I remember, in fact, when I was still at Supersport, there was a there was a thing where we wanted to try and get uh, betting into the into the broadcasts in, in, into, into, on, on the platform back then. And there was a pretty much a policy that was against airline gambling of any sort on you know in in it, within the the multi choice universe. And um, and that slowly, slowly, slowly changed. And now we've got to this play at this point where they brought this in. The problem is, as you say, though, they're reaching into a very, very saturated market. Um, one of the things, the advantages they do have, though, is that they really are a destination for sports fans. So they are, they really have that kind of that that kind of attraction. Um, this is where Sporty Bet have been quite good, actually, and, and have shown a very, very, uh, very, very canny kind of a, approach by acquiring live rights as a key part of their their their, their plan, and um, and so that they are becoming not just a betting company, but a sports um, broadcasting platform as well. That works well because then you have a destination as for a sports fan. So you, you, you would go there even if you're going to bet or not. But when you're there, because the betting is integrated into the broadcast, it becomes easy for you to kind of you know, connect. And once you're watching the broadcast on their platform, then you do your betting on their platform and everything kind of works together. Or vice versa, you go there to bet. And you discover that the platforms are existing, so you say, "Well, I'm here. Let me watch it here. They've got, they've got it here." So this is an advantage for for, for SuperSport as well. But they are actually again behind the curve on this. They're entering into a saturated market, so they're going to have to really try and hit the ground running. Multi Choices Group CEO mentioned that they are trying out a proof of concept to package and sell solar and battery energy storage products. And that is mm. to mitigate and try in all ways to ensure that load shedding does not affect their subscribers. Just how feasible is this idea for you? I, I think it's incredibly feasible. And I think that's, a, again, it shows a bit of foresight because this is the thing if load shedding is a problem. Um, and I think this is very much a, you know, this is an old South African thing, you know. Face the problem, let's find a solution. And you, know, you don't wait around for other people to kind of try and bring a solution to you. And um, and and we see this already with like a lot of the big telcos. They have invested heavily in their own power generation facilities to make sure everything goes on, rather than sort of waiting for the government to fix up the um, you know ESCOM and Gulisi's working. They're just going to do build themselves. And I think it's a good it's a good thing, and it's a good commercial move um, because obviously it's it's it, it, it's you know I mean it puts them in the market for selling something as well. They've got the reach, they've got the audience there. You're selling to the audience. It's very reminiscent, actually, of the plan that that because they're in this partnership with Sky now, as well as with um, with with with, with uh, NBC, and um, and you know the Sky Glass thing, where Sky decided to do to, to evolve their whole process. They will be selling television content to people. Why don't we sell them the TVs as well? And they created those TVs, and it's the same route that 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 uh, DSTV are going to take, and um, and and this kind of just feeds into all of that. You know, we want our customers to stay with us. Let's invest in everything they need to stay with us and give it to them. So I, I think it's a good idea, and I think it's very, very feasible um, because they've got the stores, they've got the outlets, they've got the distribution points, they've got the network, they've got the marketing platforms, they've got all of those things, and they've got the product at the end of the day. Why you why you want to have these things, and then you get the benefit, of course, is that you're not only just powering your TV and everything like it, but you're powering your your other key essentials in your house at the same time. Gary, you were very spot on with the predictions you make concerning Showmax. And as per the interim results for multi-choice, there have been a 
30% year-on-year growth in Showmax paying subscribers. And we do know that a redesigned Showmax platform will be launched in February 2024, along with Showmax Entertainment, Showmax Entertainment Mobile, and Showmax Premier League. I mean, of course, exciting times ahead for viewers of DSTV and of Showmax in the subsequent months and years to come. But how is this going to revolutionize the way MultiChoice has positioned its offerings to its audience, number one, and number two, what is going to be the impact of Showmax on other brands that tend to offer similar products, especially with SABC in South Africa and other offerings within Africa? Look, I think that it's, 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 an, obvious, it's an obvious way to go. And, and what they're doing basically is that when Netflix and them came into the market as competitors, and you know what I mean, they try to fight them with regulation and things like that. This is really an understanding that if you can't beat them, join them. And what they're doing is create so so where they're moving towards is to becoming a kind of African Netflix. Um, you know, obviously centered in South Africa, but 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 for the for the continent. And the value that they have in doing this actually, and again, it's a smart move, it's the right move, um, is because they have local they've got home ground advantage here over Netflix and Amazon and uh, Warner and, and HBO and stuff like that that are all, all coming to the market. You know what I mean? This is an opportunity for them to kind of take that home ground advantage and 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 actually try utilizing it and, and driving them their opportunity in that space. You know, they've got the studios, they make their own productions and things like that. So they've got all of that in place. You know, it's really just about the infrastructure for, for streaming, but Netflix and everybody have proved that it works and you can get the audiences there. They've The thing about Netflix though, where Netflix is still stronger is because they're actually they can actually draw on their successes. They're a global player, so they can draw on the revenues they 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 bring from around the world and use that to focus on developing a certain area. You know, multi-choice or GSTV is is only in Africa, so it only has what it has in Africa. But at the same time, it is a very very strong position that it does have in Africa, and it can start tapping to that and utilizing the audience space that it has with content that works in the space very very well. You know, it, it would be the way to go. And again, as we said earlier on, we're talking about the fact that there's, you know, everybody's moving to the streaming space. Households across the continent are getting more and more connected. They have to be, if they want to be relevant in the next four or five years, they need to be in that space. And that's exactly what they're doing. That was the founder of Sportscape Media, Gary Rathbone, speaking to us about the interim results and making sense of the latest moves that multi-choice has been making in the media rights business. Adam, I've always enjoyed having conversations with Gary. What are your main takeaways? I've learned so much. I've got a couple of ideas that I believe we'll share with you and we can develop moving on. But of course, I, what I do know is that our audience have been educated in everything media rights when it comes to sports here in Africa, which is extremely crucial for the younger generation to prepare themselves for really moving on to the space that Gary and the likes of his colleagues have been in for a very long time. For our audience, thank you for tuning in yet again to another episode of the Africa Business of Sport podcast. Do not forget to follow us on our socials on IG at Africa Business of Sport, on X at Africa BSP, and on LinkedIn at Africa Business of Sport podcast. Also, leave us a rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and wherever you do get your podcast. Gary, thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Very nice to be here as always.